Hello and welcome to this week's GG Weekend Watch, kindly sponsored by SBK with your regular team of Andrew Mount, Daryl Carter and myself to guide you through this weekend's racing. And there is a lot of it yet again. Funnily enough, I feel like I say that every week at the minute, but we do have an absolute blockbuster show for you today. We have 15 scheduled races from four different meetings. We're going international as well. We're heading out to Del Mar for the Breeders' Cup as well, where we'll be covering four races from there. We're also heading to Aintree, Doncaster and Wincanton as well. So an international vibe as well today, but plenty, plenty of races and best bets to get through, of course. So we better get cracking. But before that, of course, we're going to separate the time out to discuss the winners that the lads had last week because they were on fire. So they definitely deserve uh, a little mention there for their winners last week. So we had Nasalam winning at three to one for Andrew. Soaring Glory at five to one for Andrew. Andrew again with Frodon at three to one. Fusil Raffles for Daryl. Baybridge for Andrew at six to five, as well as Half a Piece at 15 to two. And Daryl, I believe Half a Piece was your nap, wasn't he? Yeah, Napo last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fusil Raffles was a, a bit of a lucky one, but I'll, I'll take that. You're taking, you've got a jump. You've got a jump. <laughs> yeah, that's game it. Of the game. Exactly. Of all the horses I tipped on this video, the only one I tipped in my column was Chamblou. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> right, so Andrew, you know which way to take this, uh, your column then this week. You need to go with your selections that you're going to be putting up on this show. Lesson learned. Fingers burnt, as the old saying goes. So we better kick on because we have a, a thousand races to cover. We're going to start at Aintree. This is in the 108. And a race that we all love to kick us off. It's another Potemps qualifier. So a three mile and half furlong handicap hurdle for four-year-olds and over, where South Terrace currently heads the market. But Andrew, who actually wants to win this? Yeah, this is um, quite an interesting one, actually. I know I was quite dismissive of the um, Cheltenham uh, Potemps qualifier a couple of weeks ago. But uh, interesting that the, the horse who'd run well in that race before him was uh, an 11 or 12-year-old, the Newmore Holland horse won that one. So sometimes looking for horses who haven't got one eye on the final are quite happy to pick up 10 or 12 grand and uh, win in the twilight of their career might be an angle. So yeah, I thought the world's end was half interesting on that age, for, age angle. I mean, you know what I mean. Harry won this as a 12-year-old last year. Um, but I was going to side with uh, Aquila Sky um, down the bottom of the weights. This one was a big improver last season when going over three miles over hurdles, uh, winning both starts over this trip. And then um, on his reappearance, um, went, went um, over fences at Utoxta. Um, just didn't seem to take to them at all. So I'm assuming this is a case of plan B. We'll go back over hurdles. And uh, if you can uh, recapture the form he showed over this trip over hurdles last season, I thought he'd go well at a price around about 14 to 1. Mm. Yeah, as you say, a nice price there, about 14 to 1 for Aquila Sky, but also a mention for the world's end. So going for one of these slightly older horses for both of those. But the main selection going to be Aquila Sky. Daryl, yourself, please, for this race. Yeah, I've got the same, a similar angle uh, to Andrew's in terms of going for the older horses. But before I get started, I just wanted to uh, do a bit of product placement. <laughs> just before, I never get to do this, but I got sent this from Hacked Up Racing, a Hurricane Fly mug. That How is cool awesome. is that? So that is I just wanted cool. to... Uh, Give me a heads up before we get on with the 14 races and we lose half the audience. I won't um, ask what the contents of that mug is. Water. <laughs> Very healthy. Very. We'll be here later. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I do like the World's End. I like two, actually. I've backed two in this race. Uh, I thought I'd back the World's End and I'll back Kashari. Um, mm. The World's End, you know, he's not for 26 under rules, right? He's dropped from a mark of 155 down to 144 for two Hunter Chase runs. Uh, and a sixth in a grade one long walk hurdle. 
So I know he's been raced sparingly over the last year or so. Um, there might have been an issue, etc. But he's the class act in the field. If you go back and look at that long long walk hurdle run, right? Paisley Park won it, was then third in the stairs. Time Hill was second, with then one entry grade one at the end of the season. Roxana in third, won a grade two, and then was second to Time Hill at Aintree. Uh, the, the fourth was a grade two winner. The fifth is a grade two winner. The seventh rated 151. So being dropped for that race alone, it, you know, you can forgive that all, all day long. He's a two-time grade one with himself. He's a two-time grade two winner. I think this is like the easiest assignment he's had since 2018. Mm. He's down to a mark of 144, back in a handicap. He's a class act in the race. He's won fresh twice, including the grade two, in grade two company. I think it's the first start in handicap company since 2017. I think he's got a big chance. I think he's been well overlooked in this market, and I can't. Perhaps it's because he needs to prove his well-being. But I think he's got a, a fair, fair shout in here. The other one is Kashari, who is in first-time cheap pieces for a new yard today. Um, this trainer has bought one horse over this season at Stratford, and they won quite impressively. In the last five seasons, I think he's brought over twenty-four runners. Um, and he's won before him, so 17%, which is not too bad. But this horse, Kashari, you can forgive the last run at Punchestown over two miles two behind Wolfprint, just had to make his own run in that day in a free-runner field, and that trip is just far too sharp for him. Mm. Time before that, he was over hurdles for his last three starts, and he just, he just didn't, it's the second time he hasn't really taken to fences. Uh, but prior to that, at uh, Punchestown, he won a grade B hurdle, beating C.L. Dinesh and, and the Shunter and Peregrine Runner for mark 143. He's off 149 today, but I'm pretty sure that they were trying to handicap this horse before that because at Leopardstown, he was a massive eye-catcher behind Maze Runner off a mark of 144 over three miles. He's completely unexposed over the trip. He, he had too much to do at Cheltenham. I think he's he's a well-handicapped horse. He's he's relatively likely race for his age as a nine-year-old. And I don't think he's either going to be one of those, he's on a mark now where the other just have to get a win out of him or he's going to just run into sixth and, you know, it'll be something later on down the line. But yeah. I don't want to let him go on back to the, as the outside of the field. I think you can get 20 to one on him. So the two of them, double figure prices, back and both each way. I'm sure they'd be in the frame. Yeah, definitely. So you say Kashari is fascinating, isn't it? I mean, he was meant to be one of the gambles of the Cheltenham Festival week, wasn't he? Because of how much of an eye catcher he was at Leopardstown. And obviously, as you say, that didn't then come to fruition in the Coral Cup. But uh, as you say, probably given too much to do there. And a huge shout for the World's End who... From we know when he was at um, with us at Tom George's, he was never going to make up into a chaser. He, he you just, still, are you still at Tom, you're still at Tom George's, isn't there? Yes, yeah, yeah, still yeah. there now. Not quite yeah. as much um, as I'd like to be, but still there. Yeah. So, um, so any any pointers you need, <laughs> please send them my way, and I will do my best to probably put you away. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll move on to the next race at Aintree. Then this is the two fifteen. This is the Grand Sefton handicap chase over two mile five. So our first sight uh, of the season at the big fences at Aintree. And yes, so we are over the Grand National Fences for the Grand Sefton, where time to get up heads the very open market. But he's only had seven career starts, only four chase starts, and has never faced the National Fences before. Whereas Senior Citizen finished third in the Topham Chase over these fences, as well as seventh in this race last year. So he's been around twice uh, at the sighter at these bigger fences, as is the case for Hogan's Heights, who has run over the National Fences twice got around twice as well, including winning this race in 2019. But Daryl, is course form or form over these fences something you really want to be siding with here? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, seven of the last 10 winners of this race have run over the national fences and nine of the last 10 have run at Aintree before. So uh, am I right in saying that this race used to be run at the 
December. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Well, it caught me by surprise when I looked at it. I thought, oh, November. Yeah, it did me as well because um, I think nine of the last ten have had a prep run. So I don't know if that's going to quite work out for this because mm. it's moved. Um, but yeah, a couple that you mentioned there, the ones that are interesting. I, I didn't. I'm not really got a strong opinion on who's come down on. I liked Cat Tiger. He. Um, he was. Uh, I wish David Maxwell wasn't riding that hard to say, but I, I do because in, when he was third in, in, the, in the Fox Hunters, I thought David Maxwell was the most more tired than what the horse was. <laughs> so uh, that is slightly off putting. But look, he puts a lot of money into the game. He's entitled to ride his own horses, that's for sure. Uh, he's handicapped to go well, Cat Tiger, off about 134. He handled these fences pretty well. He's got good record fresh, four fingers of 112. Uh, I think he's in decent form. He'll have a good shout. Senior citizen, I'd just slightly worry about the ground for. Um, he's my, one of my horses to follow one well at market raising last time so Jack Gates is the other as well not to uh, write off fifth in the national second in this race in 2020 five pounds lower than national same mark as uh, last year's run so fair record fresh as well but I think I'll just side with Cat Tiger just at a push but it's not a strong opinion Cat Tiger so a huge mention there for the mighty Maxwell for Daryl <laughs> Andrew yourself please for this race yeah I tipped Cat Tiger in the weekend uh, on Wednesday this week and uh, I didn't realise David Maxwell was back I thought it was uh, I, I, thought, I thought he was out injured so uh, but he, he, was, he was tucked you up he was 12 to 1 for this race but he was also entered in the badge of beer and he was the same price so it was hard one to back anti-pose because you weren't sure where he was going to go you suspected this race because of his form over the national fences but uh, five to one favouritism with David Bloody Maxwell, as it says on my <laughs> race card, uh, I, I'm not totally convinced. Um, you know, um, fair play. Let's hope horse and jockey come back safely. But in terms of if it comes to a, a ding dong with a professional jockey, he's going to come off second best, isn't he? So I'm going to go with Hogan Heights. Hogan's Heights. Uh, I should say there's an apostrophe in there. Who say didn't just win this? He absolutely bolted up in this race two years ago by 16 lengths. And uh, last season, you know, everything was geared towards the Grand National. We didn't see him until February. And then he ran, a, you know, he didn't stay the trip at Aintree, but still ran respectably. And as you said earlier, he got round. So uh, Jamie Snowden started the season well. So Hogan's Heights to become another repeat winner of this race. Yes. So as you say, repeat winner of the race there for Hogan's Heights. Already had a couple of sighters at the fences and got round on both occasions. So good shout for him. And of course, the Cat Tiger then as well. <laughs> so we'll move away from the big fences to the 320. And we're going back to hurdles now for the Betway hurdle. This is a small runner field, understandably so. We're brewing up a storm, heads the market. Personally, I thought he was a favourite to take on in this race. For all his official rating does set the standard here but he's just a horse I find really difficult to really say that's an accurate official rating but he's had a wind operation since we last saw him so that may well make the difference but Andrew back to you do you take him on or do you think he is simply the best horse in this race? Probably enough I started off like you thinking oh yeah you know that rating looks a bit high I want to take him on then you go back to that um, Taunton handicap hurdle win last season when he was mm. he absolutely bolted up by 11 lengths off 148 you're thinking you know, he's won against since he won the game spirit. I was looking for kick, uh, chicks in his arm. I think, oh, maybe he's best right-handed. I watched that Fonko race again this morning. I thought, no, you know, jump fine. You could argue, you know, he was wide uh, on the better ground that day. Maybe he was flattered. But I thought he's got to go well. He's had another wind up since we last saw him. He was three to one into two to one in the last hour or so since, um, you know, the betting's opened. So, yeah, the, the price is gone now. Wild about Oscar. Uh, I thought I had a good chance. I didn't like Somerville Boy. I know he won it last year, but I thought he, he shouldn't have won because uh, if Harry Skelton hadn't been asleep on the favourite, Chidavella, who came, <laughs> came um, throughout the clouds to finish second by half a length, he probably would have been second. 
Uh, but the one I'm going to side with because um, she's the biggest price is Martello Sky. Um, I absolutely love this horse. She's fantastic when she's um, um, got small fields, nine, nine or fewer runners, five wins in a second from six starts. Um, she, she, she has won at Cheltenham, but it was a weak race and she's been beaten there a couple of times. So I think flat tracks probably suit her. Um, she made her usual at least one bad blunder per race uh, at market raising when she won on a comeback. She ultimately uh, won that very easily. And I think she's just getting better and better. So I think mm. she was 10 to 1 outside of a 6. I'll go Martello Sky. Yeah, I have to agree with Martello Sky here. I thought that she was just too big a price to ignore how progressive she looks. And in the context of this race, I think she more than earns her place. Daryl, are you going to make it a hat trick or look elsewhere? No. Um, <laughs> what? No. I was going to ask you, uh, why has Somerville Board been off since January? How come we didn't have a spring campaign? Ground or? Yeah, no, um, he's had his little issues behind. I mean, that's what sort of when he had that run in the doldrums, that was um, uh, when he just wasn't being seen to the same form. That was because of this issue that has just sort of repeated itself then again. But touch wood, now everything is absolutely fine with him. He just needed to get put away then for a while. It, was, it wasn't by design anyway. So, yeah, hopefully coming out now. But he's a horse that it should go well fresh because he is he keeps himself unbelievably well fresh. He's he's become more relaxed as he's got older, but he is still a busy horse. He's quite light frame. So I wouldn't have much of an issue about him having this long a layoff as such. And that issue, as I say, has now been rectified. Touch wood anyway. Good, because he wins this. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, he wins this. I don't believe that brewing up a storm form for one minute. Not for one minute. That... That Fontwell race was terrible. McFabulous jumped like a fridge. Um, Molly's always <laughs> wishes did far too much too soon. It was it was terrible. Um, and the the form of his Taunton run is just is just no good for me. I don't think um, he was a fresh horse that day as well. Uh, look, I think Somerville boy takes all the beating in here. Uh, he doesn't quite get three miles. He's not quite quick enough for two two miles. The middle trip is definitely his trip. He's had two runs over this trip, two for three. Uh, the other was when he was beaten in the Grade One in Ireland. Uh, these don't come around very often, and I was—that's why I was asking about the uh, the layoff because I thought mm. Tom would have been uh, angling towards this race, if you like, given that yeah. these these sort of distances don't come around too often for him at this level. Mm. I think uh, he's had if the cap fits and Isnagar Oscar in behind at Cheltenham last January in the Cleve Hurdle. Um, I mean, obviously, Lisnagar Oscar reversed it in the Stairs Hurdle, but my God, he did too too much too soon that day. Somerville boy he was never going to get home. The, the way he was going, how hard he was going early on. Mm -hmm. He's run with credit. He's been beating just three lengths over two miles. I think he's rock rock solid at at uh, at this level. He's getting six pounds from brewing up a storm as well. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't see how he gets beaten. I thought Wild about Oscar was the the clear danger last last year on this card. Wild about Oscar ran in the novice race and uh, he actually put up a really good time figure in comparison to some of the boys winning this, but. They did go very slow mid part of the race, um, and he was always prominent. So, I don't know. I just thought Somerville Boy was was should be clear favourite for me. I mm -hmm. think the prices are wrong; they should be reversed at the top of the market. Yeah, and as you say, I, and uh, for all that, I can't ignore the price about Martello Sky. I mean, Somerville Boy was the one who I, I agree I thought should have been favourite really for this race. And honestly, I don't have any fear about him having this layoff. And as you say, he will have been tuned for this race as much as Tom can do but the horse helps himself out on that basis as well so Daryl I'll go back to you for anything else from Aintree please uh, no I've got nothing else from Aintree no problem. I am Drew yourself please uh, no not for me thanks Kate 
No, no worries. Sure, we'll move on to Doncaster then. We've got enough um, other races to get through that we can leave the rest of Aintree. I'm pretty sure no one will crib us for that. So we'll move on to the 125 at Doncaster, moving back to the flat now. And we begin with the 0-105 handicap for three-year-olds and over, over seven furlongs, which looks a wide open contest. I have no idea how to solve this puzzle. So <laughs> instead, I challenge you, Andrew, to do exactly that. Well, I'll do my best. Um, interesting race. There's a quite quite a lot of pace among the low numbers, but draw-wise, historically, you know, maybe you want to be a little bit higher. Tom for last year's winner from stall 13 has got five this time around. He was a bit of an eye-catcher when second at Leicester last time because he was badly drawn in stall nine of ten. And although he ended up on the favourite strip down the centre, he did spend much of the the early part of the race to, towards the stand side, which has been swamp-like for several years now, although uh, no one told uh, uh, Jim Crowley a few meetings ago when he took my <laughs> took my pick there. But um, the, of all the others, I mean, Marshall Dan, stall one might not be great, but uh, he could bounce back from that Ascot fifth because he's got a bit of a, the Oxos about him at the moment. Good run, bad run, good run, etc. He is due a good one. Um, fresh, James Fanshawe's horses go well here. Coming from off the base from that middle draw will you know, be ideal, but he, he doesn't win often enough for me, Fresh. He, he keeps getting punted and uh, you know he's six and one again for this race. And you're thinking, well, when you're going to get your head in front, mate. And um, so, so the, the, the one that was cut, Cold Stairs quite interesting at a big price. I've been finished second in this race two years ago. But the one I'm siding with is Boardman for the Tim Easterby Yard. This is a horse Daryl and I, I think both tipped at Chester back in the spring when he won. And he ran an incredible race at York last time. He was um, drawn high in a race where he needed to be low. He's finished um, 22, uh, 22 to 1 fifth of the 21 runners. And you look at the, the other high-drawn horses in that race have come out and run since. Um, Copper Knight, his stablemate, was 12th. He, he dead heat for first, uh, went 22 to 1 here at Doncaster next time. Magical Spirit finished 20th from a high draw. He was a 25 to 1 winner next time. I think that was also here at Donny. Mon Damage was last of the 21 runners. He won on the all-weather next time. Mm. There's loads of others as well who've come out and run well in defeat. So... Um, Assuming stall 17 is going to be okay, then um, Boardman for me. Wonderful. Boardman, yes, they had a decent enough price as well, around 10 to 1 on my showing at least. Anyway, there for Boardman. Daryl, yourself, please, for this race. Oh, there was, there was a lot in there that I liked. Uh, I agree with with Andrew in terms of Boardman. He's only a pound above that last one in Mark at Chester as well now, where he's gone up the weights and then he's slowly come down. But he's, he gets soft ground for the first time since bolting up at Haydock, so he's got a good chance. I thought Fresh had a good chance back up the seven furlongs. I thought six is, is too sharp for him. But uh, the one I came down on was Bernard O'Reilly, or Bernardo O'Reilly. Uh, still 14, so drawn high, similar angle there to Andrew. Um this horse actually has a £15 swing with Fresh for beating him here last year. He's unexposed over seven furlongs. He's, he's one of these horses that's really bloody frustrating. He just <laughs> he just runs on at the end we of races. Yeah, he just runs on at the end. You're not about me, are you? <laughs> <laughs> he just runs on at the end. I reckon you could run him over two miles. He'd be finishing strongly in the race post comments. But uh, look, he's unexposed over seven furlongs. It, visually, he looks like he wants wants this sort of trip. He goes on any sort of ground. He is well hand. He's well handicapped enough to play a part in this. Um, yeah, he's got a fifteen pound swing with a favourite, and he's a double figure price, and the favourite's five to one. Yeah. I, I just thought he's got he's got something. He's got a win in him. If you watch his run back at Newmarket when third last time, he was one of the only horses the entire day to come from off the pace at Newmarket. And not only did he come off the pace, but he came off the pace and down the centre of the track, which was unfavoured all day. And he had to wait for a run. Uh, he finished with plenty of, plenty of running there. 
uh, left at the finish. So I, I thought he's got to he's got to go in sooner or later. Surely, go on, the Bernard. <laughs> the Bernardo <laughs> O'Reilly there. That's it, Bernardo. Bernardo. Or maybe uh, it's from... Bernard o O'Reilly. Maybe yeah, I have the... a little name. Ah, Emphasis on the double O's, please. <laughs> That's the official pronunciation there. Uh, yeah, and backed in as well from his opening show at 28 to 1. He's now around 14. So Bernardo O'Reilly <laughs> or, or Boardman <laughs> for Andrew there as well. So two good mentions at two horses at really nice prices as well. So next race then at Doncaster, we move on to, and it is the next race, it's the 205. And it's listed action now in the form of the Wentworth Stakes, which is over six furlongs for three-year-olds and over. And again, it looks another wide open contest where Kings Lynn heads the market in the hope of building on his one leg second in the group three, Ben Goff Stakes from last time out. And he sets the standards on ratings here, but he does have to give at least three pound to his rivals. And is that enough to take him on here, Daryl? Uh, I'm going to take one more. I'm going to take one last kick in the bollocks for from uh, Kingsley this season. I think we <laughs> haven't had enough talk. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he clearly loves Ascot, doesn't he? Uh, but I also think he likes it here at Donny. He was the next second off uh, off 92 last year. Um, he's obviously improved massively since then. If just looking at his Wokenham run will tell you that. Um, perhaps that gilding operation probably brought forward a bit of an improvement. Um, he was beaten under. Uh, two lengths by Starman here under Starman's optimum conditions. I think this horse wants soft ground. I think he wants soft ground, Ascot or Doncaster. And if he doesn't want Doncaster, then I'm washing my hands of him completely. No more kicks for me. Um, if you dissect this horse's profile, uh, you have a look at him. Six furlong soft ground runs. His form figures three, two, three, two. RPRs of 100, 107 and 109. So he's clearly improving. I think this is what he wants. If you get rid of all of those runs over five furlongs, he's only had eight runs over six furlongs. Uh, I just think conditions are ideal today. Um, soft ground, Doncaster. If this was at Ascot, soft ground, I'd, I'd be backing him as well. But soft ground, Doncaster, I think... I don't know. I'm feeling like I'm making cases for this horse. <laughs> he can't wait. He can't wait to have a go at me either. Oh, so that, that is a very confident vote then for the glutton for punishment that is Daryl Carter with a very masochistic selection there with Kings Lynn and the hope to give him one last chance here up at Doncaster and if all else fails then lol. Andrew yourself are you, are you, yeah. are you boosting his clear confidence? Well I've spent the longest on this race. I spent an hour looking at this race because the first 55 minutes I was laughing when I saw Kings Lynn was favourite and uh, I was just thinking of all the things I could say to Daryl when he, when he had this one. But to, to, be on, to be honest I've Historically, this race, uh, and again, a lot of you know big field races that Donny on the straight course, you want to be held up, you want to be coming from off the pace. So, in terms of Kings Lynn's running style, you know, he's very hard to crap. Um, but again, he just doesn't win often enough for me. Store one might leave him a little bit exposed towards the far side. I couldn't be quite so dismissive as, as I normally am about him. I was originally interested in Ainsdale for this race. He's a horse I tipped at Ascot when he was fourth in that group three, the Diadem Stakes, uh, was it the Ben Goff Stakes a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, got a really good record in sort of October, November time. Got a visor on for the first time. Mason Progeny generally respond well to headgear. The trouble is, um, say so when he was fourth in that Ascot group three, he was best of those who raced prominently. The winner, second and third all came from off the pace. But the concern is with so many runners and so many other pace angles in the race, you know, like your Dakota Goals and Punchbowl Flyer, Vice and First Time Rhythm Master, Volatile Analyst Sargon, you know, and go on. I, I sort of think, well, seven of the last 10 winners have come from off the pace. Um, you know, prominent 45 horses raced prominently, only two won. There's only um, one front runner. 
So um, I looked at um, Juska for Jowska for Henry Candy. He's not you know, a trainer I'm a huge fan of. I think his horses often go off short, and they should. He's a bit overrated. But um, you look at the last time this one had a sprint trip on soft ground. Um, she was winning at Newmarket last back end in listed company at, at 18 to 1. Um, you know, again, a sort of fairly big field, race run to suit. She's going to have the race set up for her nicely here. The, you know, the middle draw gives her options if there is an, a, you know, an advantage to racing on one side or the other. She should get plenty of cover. So uh, I'll go for uh, Jowska or Juska, uh, excuse pronunciation, around about 12 or 14 to 1. Yeah, as you say, I know, I'm starting to question now. I thought it was Juska, but now I don't know what I'm doing. Well, I'm um, but looking, anyway, I'm yes, she is 12 to 1. <laughs> looking forward to Daryl singing soprano next week after yet another kick in the bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to the bollocks are, Daryl, but I don't know how to do it. What's a high-pitched sound on the show next week? No, he hasn't edited his sound on, on, his, um, on his phone there. No, it's just, yeah, it's just that Kings Lane has got Daryl again. Uh, yeah, so Kings Lynn for Daryl and Jowska Juska for uh, Andrew there at around a 12 to 1 shot in a very, very wide open race. And speaking of wide open races, Doncaster has been really kind to us this week, hasn't it, with its three races uh, that we have scheduled to cover because it's now onto the November handicap, which is an open handicap over a mile, three furlongs and 197 yards for three odds and over, where the current favourite is First Light, who on my showing is a 7 to 1 shot at the time of recording, which just goes to show you how wide open this race is. So, Andrew, back to you to solve this race, please. And I expect a full trifecta, of course, as well. <laughs> well, I might be able to give it to you as well, but um, <laughs> I've got a full pick. Yeah, when I first looked at this, I thought, oh, crikey, I'm going to play my get-out-of-jail-free car. But when I um, dug into it a little deeper, it, I thought there was a couple that were worth backing at big prices. Um, and those are HMS President and Graphite, who both ran in the same mile and a half handicap at Goodwood last time out. Now, that was a race in which it paid to be on the front end. Four of the first five home were up with the pace throughout. And uh, HMS President uh, did second best of the holder horses that day and, and was also switched to that far rail to challenge and basically was in the treacle. You know, everything was sort of winning down the centre or even towards the stand side. Graphite. Um, was only, I think, ninth in that race, but did, did fifth best of those who came from off the pace. And again, this, like the Wentworth Stakes, is, is a race generally you want to be coming from off the pace and you want to be drawn middle to high. I think in the last 10 years, horses drawn uh, between stalls one and seven or naught from 70. And uh, yeah, the expected wins was getting on for three, I think. So um, you know, it was a fair sample size. And, you know, Doncaster, big field, round course, you know, late and wide down the middle uh, is going to be the place to be. So HMS President, I think 28 to 1 or thereabouts. Graphite, yep. I've seen 40 to 1. You know, if, and again, only one of the other hold-up horses has come out of that um, uh, Goodwood race and run since and improved his racing post rating by 15 pounds. So, you know, if one or one or t'other can do that, then, we, you know, with luck, we should have one of the pair in the frame at least. Yes, certainly. So, as you say, Graphite around 40 to 1 and around 28 to 1 then for HMS President as well. So, if that exactor comes off, then you, you may as well retire on the spot, Andrew, because that would be unbelievable. Daryl, trifecta from yourself, please. <laughs> no chance. I was quite impressed with that, what you did there. Uh, I've just got, I've not got no strong opinion. Again, this was, yeah. okay, Andrew said this was going to be my get out of jail free card. I thought Farhan was interesting at double figure price. I think you tipped him last. Time Andrew behind Siskani, uh, didn't you? Farhan um, um, rings a ring <clears> well. 
Then, yeah, you but have to uh, remember, I'm I'm old now, so I can't remember. <laughs> <the breakfast. laughs> uh, but but this will it quite impressed me chasing over Scarney. I thought he was given a, a fair bit to do there off a mark of eighty three. He's up to a mark of eighty seven. I just thought that was another step forward. To it. I thought he's a horse that's been taking small steps forward throughout the season. Softer surface here at the foot of the weights, wide draw. I thought he wants to be wide as well. Just get out of all that early scrimmaging for, for any sort of position. It never normally pans out around Doncaster. Mm. Uh, Chester didn't suit him on his penultimate start. He's looking for a stiffer test there. He's completely unexposed. And again, at Sandown, he chased home, rewired, and uh, he just, he just the line came too quick for him, and he just finished with a power pack punch. And I'm pretty sure Holly Doyle on, I'm pretty sure this horse has got a lot more to come off a of mark of 87. This is definitely his trip. So it would be a wild stab, really, because... Um, you know, we've switched our thinking over to the national hunt season, haven't we? Yeah. Yes, we have completely, as you say, we I think that most people are in full jump mode now. So having the November handicap, one of the trickiest handicaps in general to solve at this stage of the season just sort of blows my mind. Um, but yes, <laughs> but a good mention there for Farhan anyway, and still a decent price around 14 to 1 as well. So some big price horses to be siding with there, but it is a really really tricky race so daryl i'm going to go back to you for anything else from doncaster if you're still holding on to any of the flat season i i, I sort of i've got i have got two bets that i think i need to check prices on at doncaster in the 1150 wonderful world this horse uh, has been on the radar all seasons she's definitely well handicapped um she finished really strongly when i was at newbury the other day i want to keep her on side and then gifted ruler <clears throat> in the 345 my goodness me, I backed this horse, I tipped this horse at 20 to 1 last time it ran. Jane Elliott, bless her, gave gave the horse a terrible ride. <laughs> waiting and waiting for room, got the gap, decided to wait and wait and wait and wait and for, for mm. what felt like an age. And then uh, Mole's memory came with a, with, a, with a run, you know, picked up a head of steam and just get, gave the horse first run and then picked up, finally picked up strongly. Finished out the seat, finished out the line um, powerfully. But my point being is that this horse only had a couple of starts on soft ground. Uh, this soft ground is definitely what the horse wants. Um, back at Doncaster, where he's run well before, uh, I think he's got a good chance. Gifted ruler in the 345. Yeah, gifted ruler in the 345 with Luke Casson taking the ride this time around and in the 1150. Wonderful world there in the opener. So, bookending the card there for Daryl. Andrew, yourself, please, for anything else from Doncaster. Yeah, that um, 3.45 race as well. I was half interested in Assad for Mick Appleby. Um, when uh, he ran at Leicester last time in the Abel Kane Tom for a race, he was drawn 10 of 10. He raced alone on the stand side rail, which is not the place to be. So I thought I want to be with him next time. The market will probably overreact to that performance. The trouble is he's a front runner and there's what, 17, 18 runners. I haven't been through the, the um, pace map yet, but I imagine there's other pace angles in the race. So um, you know, Assad worth half a look, um, you know, depending how the track's riding, and uh, but you know, might be one for the time after. Yeah, yeah, as you say, then Assad in the three forty-five at Doncaster for Andrew there. So that's all of our action done at Doncaster. We're on to another new meeting now, and we are heading to the West Country. We are heading to Wincanton, which hosts one of its feature meetings of the season, where we begin with a cracking race. It's the 150. It's the Grade 2 Rising Stars Novices Chase over two mile four over uh, for three four-year-olds and over even where brave man's game is a very short price the odds on favorite at the head of the market i'm just i'm gutted that hardy desoy hasn't been cited at this race so i was really hoping he was going to take up this engagement and basically be the next galore uh, but alas he hasn't turned up here so andrew were you blown away like many people for brave man's games chasing davy last time out at newton abbott 
Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you look at always oh, Newton Abbott form, but then you think, yeah, he was visually impressive, and you know, the, the form's been franked by a few sort of raffles, albeit you know uh, might have been fortunate to win the Charlie Hall. But it's um, one of Daryl's best bets of last weekend. Thank you very much. No, exactly. I mean. but, you know, I, 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 either way, you're still getting paid, so it doesn't really matter whether you're exactly. Or not. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I sort of thought, oh, you know, is, is he? Um, you know, going to be better left-handed rather than right-handed. But I, I watched the replays of his race and thought there's no, no evidence for that. I mean, it, I mean, Nichols has sent a few sort of short price ones to this race in recent years who haven't got beaten after um, jumping out to their left and look, looking like they wanted to go uh, the other way around. The, the odds-on favourite who finished last of three in this race last year, for example. So mm. I might be clutching at straws, but thinking there is just that slight doubt that he hasn't gone over fences right, you know, right-handed under rules before. So it's seven to four on. I can leave him alone. I mean, in terms of um, you know profile and ratings, Nick Pastor I thought was a big price for stablemate, around uh, yeah. about eight to one. And uh, obviously he's up in grade, having won a you know class three novices handicap chase in Exeter last time out. But uh, I, I just thought you know, at the prices, I'll have my token pound on him, Nick Pastor. Yeah, at least you didn't insult the lottery there and, and said this time. Um, yes. <laughs> so Mick Pastor, the stable mate of the odds-on favourite there, Brave Man's Game, is going to get the vote for Andrew. Daryl, do you also take on Brave Man's Game? I mean, I, I was going to say I'll look in the without markets at Mick Pastor, given the price that they've offered about him just to win. Mm. Um, he might be interested. Mick Pastor did jump slightly to the left, start jumping out to the left at Exeter last time, though. That would be mm. a slight concern, but and he was fractures beforehand. He's a he's a nutter, I think. <laughs> I do. I think he's a bit of a nutcase, but he's some blooming weapon. I reckon mm. he's. I mean, he needs good ground. So I'm, I'm very, very surprised that they're putting Mick Pastor in here with Brave Man's Game. Put it that way. I do think Brave Man's Game is is very good. I think uh, I think he's probably going to mop up most things over this side of the water this season, and uh, until he meets the Irish. It's going to be struggle to get him beat, I think. But uh, I, I don't back at seven to four, so yeah, I'd, I'd side with Mick Pastor as well to maybe cause a bit of an upset. Yes, so, so as you say, both of the lads are looking for horses at bigger prices rather than backing a four to nine shot at current time of recording, and that's not exactly going to lengthen from then, is it? Either apologies, my light is going because my kitten is currently pulling the lead on it. So if you all of a sudden <laughs> see everything go dark, it's because I have. Um, a, a tiny little uh, furry thing there causing havoc. So she's now decided to leave, thank goodness. We're 2.25, we'll move on too swiftly at Wincanton. And it's the turn of the mares in a mares handicap hurdle over two mile five, which just looks a fascinating contest. Some really likeable mares coming into this race in good form. Now I am having a bet in this race. I finally have found a race where I can have a bet for once in this race. It's not that exciting really. It's only the second one in with Rose of Arcadia, who is about a five to one shot currently for the flying Colin Tizard yard. Cause I just think this mare looks another well handicapped horse on the back of her four race season last campaign, where as was well documented, nothing went right for the Tizard Yard and they're reaping their rewards now because they have a whole host of well handicapped horses and now the yard is healthy again they're picking up races left right and centre so hopefully Rose of Arcadia can build on her win from last season which she could be marked up for I think due to the yard's form as mentioned but crucially that win came over this course and distance the horse she beat in that Mare's Novices Hurdle won her next two starts is now rated 128 the third horse won her next start is now rated 132. The fourth finished second on her, on her next start and is rated 122. So that was a decent little race, but also makes this mark of 119 
look very feasible for Rose of Arcadia to overcome with the yard in such good form. And this will be an awful lot easier for Rose of Arcadia than the grade two handicap she faced on her final start of last season. So there is one of my very few bets that I have on Saturday. However, in a wide open race, Daryl, who do you side with? <coughs> I forgot to tell you that um, the mention of yard form on this show is banned. No, <laughs> Be never. Because it's absolute nonsense. Do you think? Do you oh, think it's nonsense? Oh, I honestly like, think it's either. absolute nonsense. I mean, you, you answered the, your own question in your, in your speech there because they've now got well-handicapped horses. Mm. People would tend to tell you that a yard is out of form because they haven't basically haven't got well-handicapped horses. And then because they run poorly, then horses then become well-handicapped and all of a sudden they're in form. Well, it's not because the yard's in form, it's because then horses are now waiting to go well. There's lots of other reasons as well. You can't quantify yard form. So uh, anyway, oh, no, that's... Actually, I have to disagree with you there. From working in a yard and seeing protein imbalances in haze and sick horses, that probably yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but out, outside, out, no, outside of like on a, a bug or you know the feed off like feed being wrong. You know, for example, Colin Tizard is a very um, uh, similar case to that sort of thing where he lost his daughter last year who was who was mm. running the operation in the yard those sort of things outside of those sort of things when horses are individual animals and and for me you can't quantify them as a group of horses being below form or above form it's like saying well his last six horses that run over three miles on soft ground have all been beaten so this one on uh, on saturday over two miles on good to firm ground is going to get beaten it's like it's absolutely no relevance you get what I mean? That, that, that's, that's, I do, and listen, I do. everyone will tell me I'm wrong because it's not a because it's just easy to fall in line with the whole, um, you know, like on racing TV or whatever. When people say, "Oh, the yards not had many winners this week," I think, it doesn't matter. I think it's the not danger, this horse. I, I agree with you to a certain point, Daryl. That um, small sample sizes are often used, and they'll say, "Oh, the stables yeah. like you know, not from twenty-five in the last fortnight." And you look at that and think, "Well, only two of those were favourite, and they both finished second, kind of thing." And the expected number of winners from that 25 race sample was like, you know, 1.4 or something like that. So it wasn't exactly massive. But, and again, with UK, when you say, when they've gone 50, 60 runners without a winner, they're, they're travelling well and they're not finishing their races, mm. which was the case with some of the Tizzle was last season. And then the, the trainer comes out and says, we've got a bug where, you know, we're closing the yard for three weeks or we, we, and we're, we're deep cleaning and that sort of thing because, we, you know, we're worried about X, Y and Z. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's exa- yeah, that's exactly my point. There's all if if there's an underlining reason which is out of the ordinary like that, then I totally under totally get it and I totally agree. But in terms of like the short term, when people are just using it as an easy thing to say, like, oh, this yeah. yard is out of form because yeah. of yeah, it. I mean, it's just I, something I, to I, say. I've been guilty of that on the radio, and if, if there was a prize for bringing an out of form yard back to form, I'd get it because I'd say table's <laughs> a bit quiet. They haven't had a winner for like six weeks, and then bang, thirty-three to one. You know. <laughs> Kate's now going to be worried about every time she wins the show. I'm going to be going. <laughs> I can just feel the stare, the burn. No, to be no. fair, as, as we've just to, just to go back around again, just to briefly summarise, I just say I think that the Tizard Yard were hideously out of form because they were sick in the, in the main, and that was shown over an entire season. But as you say, it is something that is very often bounded about in the short term, which, as you say, you can then overlook. And it's not a label to put on absolutely everything, unless it's a Tizard Yard from last season. Hence why Rosemar came <laughs> <in the world. laughs> uh, I actually like... Thank you for your selection.
selection. Yeah. No, so, I, no, yes, your selection. I'll be, I'll be very quick. Yes, uh, I look impressive lady here. Uh, Lucy Gardner is a fantastic jockey. Don't get me wrong, but Sean Houlihan is a massive upgrade here for this horse. Um, <laughs> this horse was very much on the up last season. Destroyed a good field at Sandown before bumping into Molly Ollie's wishes, for which I felt. Lucy wasn't quite strong enough with the horse at the finish over the last couple of hurdles. Um, the horse stayed on really strongly at the, at the end of that three-mile trip there. Drop back in trips days is definitely in this, this horse's favour, as is the, the jock claiming three pounds. Two for three right-handed. Only had three starts in handicaps. Forgive the last one. Molly Zolly's wishes is obviously um, £16 higher in the handicap. This horse is now effectively £1 lower. So, impressive lady for me. Cool. Impressive lady with Sean Houlihan now booked to ride. Andrew, please, for this race. Yeah, this was another race where I thought, oh, I'm not going to have a selection. Then I looked into it a little bit deeper and thought, actually, it's quite interesting. Uh, historically, it pays to be on the front end in this race, as it does in most races that we encounter in hurdles or fences. And last time out, winners have got a shocking record in this, not from 25 in the last 10 runnings. Now, uh, um, three of the last four winners ran in that grade two mayor's handicap um, hurdle final at Newbury in the spring and, and Rose of Arcadia qualifiers in that fr um, front. You know, five, um, if, if you just back to all the horses that were dropping from class one to class two level in this race, uh, five winners from 21 and a profit of £13.50. So Rose of Arcadia qualifies on that angle. Very um, good. <laughs> and of course, um, you know, like you say, if you'd backed all Tizard runners in handicaps this autumn, we'd been off the track for 150 days or longer, i.e., making a seasonal debut, then then you'd have been in front as well. So I'm with you, uh, Rose of Arcadia. I really like this one. I, I'm better at six to one. And uh, that's, that price is rapidly disappearing. So be quick, Kate. Be quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, yeah, the finger's on the button right now <laughs> to make sure as we gang up on Daryl there with Rose of Arcadia. And what is a really interesting race there, that Mayor's Handicap Hurdle. So uh, delighted that Andrew agrees on Rose of Arcadia. So the three o'clock at Wincanton, the very next race on the card. And it's now on to the Badger Beer Handicap Chase, which is a listed 0 to 155 handicap over three mile one for four year olds and over. And we talk about Cheltenham Festival pointers for embraces early in the season. Uh, and we very often find ourselves talking about potential Grand National contenders on the back of the Badger Beer, though, more often than not. <laughs> but whether that will happen this year or not, I don't know. So yet again, wide open race for you to solve, Andrew. Yeah, the usual thing you do in this race is say, what, what's Paul Nichols got? You know, pr present yeah. man, you know, used to be a standing dish in this race. Uh, he's, he's got a couple, um, Truckers Larger and Highland Hunter. But I'm going to go um, with the um, Colin Tizard angle. Just have a, a few quid on uh, of all the gin joints in the first time blinkers. This has been a real uh, positive stat for uh, chasers from the Tizard yard over three miles or further. Um, in, in his career, I think it's 30, uh, th 11 winners from 39. Um, uh, plus sixty-seven pounds fifty-eight to a one-pound level stake. So, generally speaking, you know you want to be on the front end. So, I thought the first time Blinkers forcing ride, you know, probably be a win bet because it would be an all-or-nothing kind of wager. So, uh, yeah. yeah, of all the ginger, it's around about eighteen to one. But I've not been through this in enough detail to be confident. To be fair, you've only had about two hours to go through all of these. <laughs> That is fair to the pair of you, but of all the ginger, it's had a big price there, but probably win-only bet in the Badger Beer, Daryl. Win only bet for me as well. I, again, I've got I've got a lot of work to do. So I'm, I'm working at Wincats on Saturday, so I've got loads to, to do mm. yet. But uh, Iris Prophecy, I was quite impressed with him last time at Wincats last month. Uh, he didn't finish with plenty in hand. That was great best on all known figures. He actually hasn't got much to find at all with the likes of uh, Potterman and El Presente either. Um, is he well handicapped off 144 now? Probably not. He'll need to improve again. But it was a career best performance last time, so there's no saying um, 
what he's got in the tank, really. The time before at Chepstow, I thought he was quite eye-catching when fifth behind Sharico Vallis, who's got to be a, some horse to the way that race has worked out. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought he was quite eye-catching. So I think he might just be able to take another step forward here. He's got some, some decent form, back form. Um, clearly likes it at win count, and he's two for three at this course. So, yeah, he's a fair enough price at round seven, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. He was the horse that was catching my eye here of Irish prophecy because I was so impressed with that win at Wing Canton. So that is the Badge Beer save. The lads will go into any more detail there in their columns that you can catch up with any changes to selections or once they've gone through, you know, the entire field there, which is a wide open race. So it'll probably take some time. You can find those selections on the website at gg.co.uk or on their social media pages. Now we're moving on to our last scheduled race at Wing Canton. This is a 355. A really like race which i always always enjoy it's the grade two elite hurdle over one mile seven furlongs and 50 yards crucially for four-year-olds and over where the super likable so royal currently heads the market has evident claims for the win following his impressive reappearance win in a listed hurdle at kempton where he defeated silver streak who i'm just not sure gave his true running However, So Royal is a horse you can rely on to turn up and run well, provided the ground is good, which we do know is key to him. However, again, I'm having a bet in this race. I'm taking him on uh, with Goshen at uh, second in the market. Here. here we go. Sorry. No, no, no. He calls, me, he calls me enough ag last year. You can have him. <laughs> this this, is, have this is the jumps version of King It's absolutely fine. He's an enigma. I think that's very fair to say. He's an absolute enigma, this horse. Um, But as I say, I think he is the most talented horse in this race when everything goes right for him. And if he can just post the same performance as he did in Wincanton's feature race of their season, the Grade 2 Kingwell Hurdle, then that doesn't get him beaten for me. It's just whether or not he'll turn up in that form again over this course and distance. So I'd be wanting to side with him not as the favourites, because of those fears, but at a slightly bigger price, he's worth chancing for me. But Daryl, back to you. Guessing you're not going for Goshen. Well, no, I see. I do. Uh, I do think Goshen is a very, very, very good horse. I mean, I fancied him last year for the Champion Hurdle. That went to pot. Obviously, <laughs> we know he needs to go right-handed now. Um, <sighs> do you know what? You don't win races by twenty-two lengths the way he did it. By being a bad horse, you don't. Mm-hmm. And so many people give him so much stick for just having a couple of poor runs and jumping out to the to the royal weather. I'm just worried that he's a he's just a relentless galloper and he's just got what sort of one cruising speed and that's it. And I'm and I don't know if he needs soft ground to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I just worry that if So Royale sits on his tail or sits just off the leaders because. He's going to want to go forward, Goshen. Soul Pretender's going to want to go forward. Takani's going to go, want to go forward. I think it could set up for like a Belfast banter or, or a, or a So Royale in particular. Uh, if if So Royale sits close enough, if he jumps upside Goshen, he's going to have to faster turn a foot on this ground. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. So Royale's got a glittering CV. I mean, if it weren't for the likes of Alti or Epiton, yes. he'd be a dual grade one winner. Yeah. Um, I think it's very, very tight. I think it, tactically it's going to be very, very interesting. I think I would just side with... I'm not going to back Cyro out of the price. I'm just probably going to sit back and watch. I think Cyro is the right favourite. Goshen, you're quite right, could put in a, an exceptional performance. Uh, and Soul Pretender's not one to write off either. This horse is a, is a brilliant jumper of a hurdle. He's only a mm. seven-year-old. He's making up for lost time. He's got some nice Irish form. Um, I think it's very competitive. So, so no bet for me, but I'd, I'd like to see Cyro win. I love the horse. I think he's a... 
I think he's been brilliant for horse racing so real yeah he has been hasn't he and as you say mm. if he goes and wins this and beats Goshen then I, I'm not going to feel bad about that whatsoever because he is just such a hero isn't he so royal and a real fan favourite Andrew do you have any stronger opinions on this race yeah I mean I couldn't put you off backing Goshen at 9-4 given he, Goshen sorry, as, as he's so good right handed but you know, I'd rather go for a bigger price one I'm going to go sole pretender who uh was only eighth of 20 in the Galway hurdle last time with a seven to one shot, but he was beaten in that race last year as well. And um, five of his previous de um, defeats of uh, so four of his five previous defeats have been followed by a win. He was second in the other one, so he often bounces back with a good performance, usually in a smaller field. He doesn't have to lead a couple of his wins, came when sort of just sitting in second place behind the leader. So that that's the only sort of slight concern that he might get into a ding dong early doors with Goshen, but. Uh, Hopefully he'll just take a lead from that one, sit, track the pace, and what is he ten to one or something like that? I thought he was the one mm. worth a tentative step. Yeah, I'd say around ten to one there for Soul Pretender. So, so both of the lads giving Soul Pretender a really favourable mention as well, and he hasn't got that much to find on official ratings either with the two at the head of the market. So he does look a very interesting contender in this race. But uh, that is us done for the scheduled races at Wincanton. So Andrew, back to you, please, for anything else from Wincanton. Uh, no, nothing for me. No, Daryl, you're going to be there. Have you gone through any uh, of the other races? Not yet. I haven't done the done the work for it yet. To be honest with you, fourteen races in, in what three and a half hours was. <laughs> yes, <laughs> completely fair. And as you say, you're going to be there anyway, so that's uh, you, you can save all the rest of those for then and for your column as well. So we're going to go international then. That's covered all of our domestic action. We're going to Del Mar now. And make sure you get either a good lion on Saturday morning, a nap in the middle of the day, in Andrew's case, potentially, <laughs> but no change there, um, because we're going to have a late night on Saturday night to be enjoying the Breeders' Cup on what is the second day of the Breeders' Cup, of course, and is going to be the card on Saturday that we're going to be focusing on. And we begin with none other than the Grade 1 Breeders' Cup, Philly and Turf, uh, Philly and Mare Turf over a mile three where the Europeans are well represented probably with a flag bearer that is Ordaria, the winner of this race last year but Daryl, can she win it again? I don't know, she's been disappointing since, hasn't she? Mm. Um, I've backed her a couple of times thinking she was a good thing in, in a couple of these races and she's just disappointed. I, I think Love's disappointing as well I, I don't know, I, I like this um, this three-year-old Akinella for, for Joe Lyons, I think this horse is on the upgrade, whereas I think the other two have got a little bit to prove at the minute. She was a good winner of the Snow Fairy Stakes at the Curra. Then she's got no run behind Snowspeak Alexander in the Matron Stakes. Mother Earth was in that race. I thought that was quite a deep race. I think she is on the upgrade. It's interesting that they take her out here. Um, I mean, I don't know enough about the about the American horses, etc., to, to really get involved, but I thought in terms of the Brit the British or the Irish uh, contingent, I thought Akinella was probably going to be a fair price. And I think it's probably underestimated on the back of her last performance when seventh. Yes, you say so. Akinella there for Jair Lyons to um, to come to the fore. But what is a very, very tricky race for us to open up with for our Breeders' Cup action? Andrew, yourself, please, for this race. Yeah, we should mention because we're back at Del Mar, which is incredibly tight. Uh, there was a good piece by uh, our radio colleague Kate, um, Ali um, Jones in the uh, the weekend, who you know basically said it's like running Champions Day at Chester, and yeah. uh, it's going it's to make life very tough for those drawn wide, which uh, obviously brings in uh, uh, last year's winner. So I was going to go for um, one of the other European raiders, Rougier, the French horse, who can can take a bit of a tug and uh, just seems to 
be a case of the bigger the field, the stronger the pace, the better she runs. And I thought she's going to love the tempo of an American race here. So she'll do for me around about six to one. Yeah, Rougier there. So that will be really interesting. They're the sealaway colours, colours, aren't they, as well? So uh, hopefully for the owners for a, for a nice um, couple of weeks then for them. But yes, that that is going to be fascinating, both siding with the European runners. And as you say, I just think love i just think she's so worth taking on she's not the same horse this year i mean her head carriage doesn't convince me it's almost as though she hasn't can't get the wind in quite as she did last season it's i think there's there's an underlying issue there more so than just um her beating inferior opposition last season so yeah she's worth taking on and both taking on Odaria as well so very interesting and we're going to move to the 1020 at del mar uh, we move on to the Grade 1 Breeders' Cup mile on the turf, funnily enough, over a mile. And again, the Europeans have a very good representation. We have Master of the Seas, Space Blues and Mother Earth in here, to name a few. But Andrew, can the Europeans reign supreme in this race again? Uh, possibly. I mean, I, I love Space Blues, but nine to four over this trip, I'm sort of quite happy to leave them alone. I'm more interested in Master of the Seas, actually, given that, uh, again, like Rougier, he can take a bit of a tug and... Um, I just thought if store one, you know, hopefully he can, you know, he doesn't get uh, shuffled back early and get meat trouble. But I thought at double figure prices, maybe Master of the Seas could give us a run for our money. But I've really no strong opinion in this race or many of the Breeders' Cup races. Yeah, no, completely like I say, it's, it's there to enjoy as much as anything else. Daryl, any strong opinions from yourself, please? Echo Andrew's thoughts, but I, I do think Space Blues is the one to probably be on. I think this style of racing is really going to suit him. They tend to go very, very hard early on, don't they? Um, he, he's also two for two on fast ground. I actually think he's been getting away with uh, soft ground over over here and over France. I think faster ground will see him to better effect. He actually didn't stay a mile uh, earlier on in his career, but uh, everything he does nowadays, his best work is, comes right at the finish. That includes heavy ground over seven furlongs. I think he'd have no issue at all getting this mile. I think the, the style of racing will definitely suit him. Um, he's a proper horse, isn't he? Yeah, he's cool. He is really cool, Space Blues. I don't think anyone can say that he isn't. But both going for the Charlie Appleby Godolphin runners there for Master of the Seas for Andrew tentatively and Space Blues then for Daryl in the hope that he can bring up the hat trick. So we'll move on to the 11.40. Jeez, we're getting late now uh, for the Breeders' (laughs) Cup uh, turf. This is over a mile four where... I think Bolshoi Ballet, at the time of recording, he still needs one to come out to get into this race. So it'll be interesting if Bally Doyle do sacrifice Broom or Japan or if they roll the dice and hope that another runner comes out or gets scratched, as I should say, really, shouldn't I? Uh, but a brilliant race, as always. European representation throughout. Can Tanawa do it again this year or is her title under threat, Daryl? I think she can. I know she's drawn in stall 13. They say you can't win from that draw over there, but the, last year at Kingland, <clears throat> last year at Kingland, she was held up off a steadily run, in a steadily run race. She was forced about seven wide, and she she was just electric. Um, she was just so good. The way she passed Magical and the likes of Lord North was just so impressive. Now I know there's a lot of people saying that she's not she's a good mare, but she's not a great mare. But I don't know, you know, on fast ground, I mean there's. I mean, on fast ground over there, I think she, she's going to take a world of being. I think she could be very, very, very good. I do. Yeah. These mares tend to improve, don't they, with age, like yeah. Magical did, etc. I still think she's in the upgrade. Um, yeah, I like, her, I like her chances for this. I, I wouldn't be backing her at the prices, but uh, yeah, I, I think she's got a cracking chance. 
Oh, wonderful. And hopefully to be the first vessel in uh, two Breeders' Cup turfs as well. So that will be fascinating. And what a role of honour she will be joining then for dual winners of this race. Andrew, yourself, please. Um, again, no strong opinion. I was half interested in Wharton Street from a useful draw. Winner of the Canadian International last time. Winner in Dubai, obviously well-travelled and, uh, you know, should take proceedings well. So, yeah, Wharton Street, another tentative stamp. Yep, so another good dolphin, Charlie Appleby, runner there, Walton Street to hopefully get another North American win to go with that Woodbine win from last time out. Now, the last race there at Del Mar and our last scheduled race is uh, the 1240 from Del Mar, and it's the big one. It's the Breeders' Cup Classic, which is a grade one over a mile two on the dirt for three-year-olds and over. Plenty of horses our viewers and listeners will have heard of, even if they don't follow American racing. So it's a fascinating race, but who wins the Classic, Andrew? Uh, having a clue, get out of jail card being played. No, gonna... this is my get out of jail card. <laughs> no, not a time to look at this race. free on the classic, really. I'll, I'll go with Bill Mott's uh, art collector. Art collector, there you go, to bring up the four-timer. Right, Darrow, you've already been snubbed for this race, so you've also got to give a token gesture from the American horses. <laughs> oh, I don't know, Medina Spirit. <laughs> yeah, that's it. At least, at least viewers and listeners will know exactly who Medina Spirit is. Uh, not necessarily for the positive reasons, but at least then we've got a name that we can chuck into the mix. Still, as say, you don't have to have a best in all of these races as we touch upon yeah. time and time again. It's safe for gambling week as well, so you'd be. It um, is so well, a good well reminder if not you don't to follow our British Cup selections in that last race in particular. Yeah. <laughs> exactly and the lads do not profess to be dirt american racing experts which is probably about right they've got enough domestic action to be covering rather than having to really dig into the stats and the facts all about um uh, something we've really only paid that much attention to once or twice a year. So, yeah, but just enjoy it. Just enjoy that race anyway. So, funnily enough, anything else from the Breeders' Cup, Daryl? <laughs> no, no, thank you. Andrew, anything else? Uh, surprisingly, no. No. Andrew, back to you for anything else more clo well closer to home. No, there probably will be in my column on Saturday, but I've yeah. not had a chance to look. No, funnily enough, no. You you can't pause time to have had a look for anything else. Daryl, were you capable of pausing time to allow the time to look at any other races? No, completely understandable. So all that is left to do is to get your naps. Goodness me, I can't believe we're still inside the hour. This is pretty good going, lads, so I'm delighted with this. So naps, please. Daryl, back to you for your nap. Somerville boy, 320, Go on, Somerville. Wonderful. Some, Somerville boy there at Aintree. Andrew, back to yourself, please. I'm oh, Rose of Arcadia or Boardman. I'll go Boardman in uh, oh, 125 at Donny. Thank you for going for Boardman there at Donny because I am going Rose of Arcadia for my nap in the 225 at Wing Canton. So that is everything from us today. The lads are going to go and have a lie down because they've had to cover 20,000 races in the space of four hours since declarations came out there and to get themselves set up for today. But any further selections, as we say every week, will be found on the website at gg.co.uk or on any of our social media channels. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for, for staying with us through yet another marathon. Thanks to the lads for all their work. Thanks to our sponsors, SBK, of course. And we hope you enjoy this weekend's action. Most of all, we'll catch up with you next week.